John 13, we're going to be in this chapter. We'll probably be in the first 10, 11 verses for a couple more weeks, but we're going to look in verses 1 through 5 today. Verses 1 through 5 in this very familiar text in John 13. And while you're turning there, let's just suppose, let's just suppose that it's Friday afternoon. You've made plans to go to a movie as soon as you get home from work and get changed. You found out what time it starts. You made plans for someone to meet you at the movies. And for some reason, you're running late. You get home later than expected, so you rush to get changed. You go to looking for your keys, and you can't remember where you put them. Couple minutes have gone by, you find your keys, you dart out the door, you head down the road, you're making up time. I ain't gonna ask how you're making it up, but you're making up time. You find yourself on a two lane road, 35 mile an hour zone, that's no passing. The car in front of you is going 20 in this 35 mile an hour zone. Can I tell you what would be going through my mind? I don't want you to tell me what's going through yours, but I'll tell you. I'll be honest because my wife knows. I'd be saying, I'd be, the first thing in my mind would be, if you can't drive the speed limit, get, stop driving. That's the first thing going through my mind. So now you just think about what would be going through yours. The first thing. Now, let me ask you, would it make a difference if you knew the woman who was driving in front of you 20 mile an hour in a 35 has left the hospital and on her way to a home all alone? Would it make a difference knowing that her husband of 40 years and her only son were involved in a fatal car accident. There was no one to call to come pick her up, to take her home. She wouldn't leave her car at the hospital. So now she's driving home sobbing 20 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour. truth is you'd still be late if you knew that for the movie that wouldn't change if you knew that but you'd probably have more compassion you'd probably be even concerned for her At the very least, you might would put yourself in her place and just think about how devastated you would be with your life turned upside down. When we look at today's passage, it appears to me that Jesus is putting himself in place of his disciples. 
He's putting himself right where they are and he is concerned with them or for them. He's on his way to the cross. It's coming up. But before he gets to the cross, you know, we're on our way to Easter. (laughs) And before we get to Easter, we're going to stop a couple weeks and see what Jesus stops for. What we find here today is that on his way to the cross, he's concerned. And he's concerned about his disciples. The Bible tells us in chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world, he, to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put, put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and rose, he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for what our hearts have felt already today. And God, as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive what thus saith the Lord. God, we ask you, hide me behind the cross, that God, you would come out and speak to each one of us. And God, as you speak to us, if there's one that don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, let this be the day that your Holy Spirit sits beside them and and lets them know just how concerned you are for them. And God, we pray that they'll be moved to make a decision to serve you through your son, Jesus Christ. Now, God, be with us throughout the remainder of this service and whatever said and done may give you glory. May it magnify your son, Jesus Christ. May it edify your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jesus on his way to a cross shows concern for others. You know, the disciples... Prior to this taking place, the disciples had been arguing. They'd been arguing over who would hold the leading positions in the kingdom that Jesus was going to um, start up. They, the discussion had actually become heated among the disciples. They were caught up in their ambition, caught up in position, caught up in power. They were, they, and we can only imagine... Just how much this had to break the heart of Jesus. Their their pride and ambition was getting in the way of them realizing what Jesus had actually been sent to earth to do. 
And with all that they had witnessed, all that they had heard in the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ, we would think that they should have known that the glory that he had in store for them would come through service and not through might. And knowing that they would be like sheep led to the slaughter without Jesus on earth leading them and guiding them, he extends compassion toward his disciples. Now, I can't help but think in realizing this, what are we doing here at Reedy Branch? You know, we can't help but think, what is it that we are actually doing here? God is blessing us. And God is allowing us to be a blessing to many more than what just comes to this church. But my concern is that the vision of this church is always before us. We know our vision is to be and to become a a fellowship of believers who are winning souls for the kingdom of God. For if we are truly concerned with winning souls for the kingdom of God, we'll be concerned for those who are lost in this world. We'll be concerned for those who are tossed about by every wind of doctrine. We'll be concerned for everyone who walks around like sheep being led to the slaughter. We, no matter whose family they come from, if they're lost, we'll see them as lost. And we'll want to make sure that we're loving the gospel in such a way that the world sees our worship as being genuine, We want to live the gospel in such a way that the world sees our passion for Christ. We'll want to share the gospel in a way that where others will want to know about this man that we call Savior. We're to always be concerned with winning souls for the kingdom of God. That's our vision, right? Is that we're winning souls for the kingdom of God. Now, there are a lot of things life just throws at us. When Taylor was in college, she had this thought that she was going to go to PT school. And then she thought she might want to go to PA school. Then she said, she comes in one day and she says, daddy, she says, you know, life just might happen. And I'll just go to nursing school while I'm here in college. And and then I'll go on to nurse practitioner school. Because if life happens, I want to be able to provide for things. And we know life can just change our plans, can it? Life has a way of doing that. And sometimes life can get in the way of us focusing on our vision. And our, our vision of winning souls for the kingdom of God can get clouded by life. So we have to ask the question, in how do we remain concerned about winning souls for the kingdom of God? Well, truthfully, our motivation has to be pure. If our motivation is pure, then we're going to keep this right before us. Here, we, so if, if that is true, then we have to notice the motivation for our Lord and Savior. So what was his motivation? Well, in the moment he tells us that, if we look there in verse 1, what it was that actually drove him 
to be so concerned about the disciples. And, and we see in the scripture that he knew his hour had come. The Bible tells us right there in verse 1, he said, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. Jesus knew his time. His time uh, to fulfill his purpose here on earth had come. His time to take away the sin of the world was quickly approaching and he had very little time very little time before it would happen and his disciples needed his help and they needed it right then Jesus considers his disciples he doesn't consider that they misunderstood what they should have understood he doesn't consider that one will betray him. He doesn't consider that some would abandon him. He doesn't consider that one would deny him. He just considers them all. He's also concerned, as we see here in the text, in that last sentence of the, of the first verse, that, that he, he, he's motivated by his love for his own. The Bible tells us here, Father, having loved his own, whom were in the world, he loved them to the end. He had a great love for them. Loved them to the end. Now we all know that, that Jesus, his own, includes all those who died in faith of the promise of the coming Messiah. We also know that his own are those who died in faith of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we also know his own are those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But here John, John stipulates something. He points out that Jesus loves his own in this earth. He, he shares this here with us in this verse or in this world. So Jesus was compelled out of love because he loved them to the end to do whatever necessary it was to help them no matter the cost. But he wasn't just motivated by the fact that he's leaving soon. He wasn't motivated only by love. He was also motivated by the knowing that the enemy was around. He knew his enemy. Right there we see that in verse 2. Where the Bible says. And the supper being ended. The devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Simon's son to betray him. He knew the devil was already about his business. He knew the devil was about to strike and betray him. He and so he had to act before the devil did or his disciples. For them, it would be too late. He had to strengthen them. He had to encourage them. He had to teach them immediately. Or it was going to be too late for these disciples. You know, Jesus was so concerned for these disciples. His concern was motivated by the fact that he would be leaving his concern was motivated by the fact that he loved them and he knew his enemy was soon to strike. His motivation for them was pure. I read about Hudson Taylor, who was a missionary director in China. He often interviewed candidates for the mission field. Uh, on one occasion, he met with a group of applicants to determine their motivation 
for this kind of service. He asked the question, why do you want to serve as a foreign missionary? And when he asked this question, one replied with this answer. Well, I want to go because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Boy, that sounds so spiritual. There was another reply that said, well, I want to go because millions are perishing without Christ. And that is so true. Others gave different answers that were very similar. However, Hudson Taylor said, all of these motives, however good, will fail you in times of testing, in times of trial, tribulation, and even possible death. There's but one motive that is pure that will sustain you in trial and testing, and that is the love of Christ. <laughs> you know, we can't forget the love of Christ. It is the true motivation. So the question becomes for us, what is our motivation for what we do here at Reedy Branch? Are we competing to be the, lar the largest growing church or ministry on this side of the county? If, it's, if that's our motivation, then we really should close the doors, folks. If that's our motivation, our motivation for having such an attractive facility, having great music like we have, having text-driven preaching and teaching, having ministries that help us to conform to the image of God's son should be purely out of our love for our Lord and Savior and it shouldn't be driven to have bigger budgets and bigger buildings. Our concern cannot be about being the measuring stick of Bird Swamp Baptist Association. That is nothing but pride. Instead, we, we, we are to be genuinely concerned about lost souls. We should be motivated by the truth that our time on earth is coming short. Because our time on earth is short, we must be about our father's business. And while it is day for night comes when no man can work, we are to be motivated to win souls for the kingdom of God by love. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we experience the love like no other. He placed his love within us and if we are growing in the grace of our Lord and Savior then we will see others as being lost and we should be compelled by the love of Christ to share with them about the love of Christ they have a need for a Savior and not just see their sin we should be motivated to win souls for the kingdom of God because knowing that our enemy, he roars around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We fail if we fail to be sober and vigilant and steadfast in our faith. Our enemy will devour our loved ones. For if our motivation for all that this church does is pure, then God's going to... He's going to reward us. And it will be evident to this world. They will know that we're genuinely concerned about their souls. I want to ask us, what is, what is the greatest compliment 
that we can receive, that we have the greatest choir. I think we have the greatest choir in our association. I really do. Is that the greatest compliment we can have? That you, you've, got a, you've got a preacher who preaches the gospel? Is that the greatest compliment you can have? Or is the greatest compliment that the world will look at us and say, those people are concerned that we're lost and on our way to a demon's hell. They want us to know this man, Jesus, that they celebrate, that they worship, that they praise. That should be the greatest compliment that we ever hear. Yes, our motives for all that we do, they must be pure. They must be pure. It's got to be about what Jesus done for us and being about his business of winning souls for his kingdom, not a kingdom that we want to build. Is his kingdom. Man, I'd love to know that we had to go to two services because this place was so packed. And after about a couple years of that, we had to build a building twice the size and have to go to two services for it. I'd love to know that. But if we're not winning souls to the kingdom of God, it's for nothing. It's for nothing. Our motivation must be pure. If we're going to reach our vision, if we're people who love, live, and share the gospel, then it's about winning souls for the kingdom of God. Now, this, I believe, is accurate. If our motivation is pure, then our methods will become precise. (laughs) Yet I say that again. If our motivation is pure, our methods will become precise. Jesus wasn't just, the, he wasn't satisfied with, with just being concerned about his disciples. He demonstrated his concern for the disciples. He demonstrated to them just how they were to continue to live in this world with him not walking on earth any longer with him. What he demonstrated was not a method of attaining power. It was not a method of attaining position or authority. Instead, he demonstrated service. Yes, Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, served this group of men that later would be called unlearned or untrained. In an extreme demonstration of service, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, laid aside his clothing, took upon a towel, wrapped it around his waist, and poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet of his disciples. And then he wiped their feet with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I, I want to just, just to make sure we're sure of what's taking place. Jesus was assuming the place of a servant. He was assuming the place of a slave. The one whose rightful place is at the right hand of the Father. The one who had been given all authority in, on he- in heaven and on earth. He, he humbled himself and served his disciples. Jesus knew exactly who he was. Knew exactly who he is. He knew exactly who he forever will be. And he served them. His method was precise. 
For three years, he walked around with these men and he demonstrated his power to open the eyes of the blind, open the mouths of the dumb, open the, the uh, heal the lame and the sick. He demonstrated his authority to forgive sin and to raise the dead. But here at a time when he knew his hour had come, a time when they had been arguing over who was the greatest, a time when they would become the most confused he demonstrated his, his, his concern for them, not through power, not through position or authority. He demonstrated how much he was concerned for them through service. Through service. You know, in this lost and dying world, we're going, if we're going to demonstrate how much we're concerned about those who are far from God... Can we guess what method we, we must employ? Service. It has to be our method. We can't come to church each Sunday and just go through the motions of having church and expect our church to explode. It doesn't happen that way. And I'll tell you this. If it grows like a weed, it'll die like a weed. Yes, we might win some here and there. Because the Lord will honor his faithfulness. He will honor faithfulness but we must be on mission now i'm not talking about going on a mission trip once a year although if you get the opportunity if you have the opportunity to go on a mission trip you should go because fruit can come from that mission trip people can give their lives to the lord but what i'm talking about is being missional every day of our lives to be missional every day of our lives, we must take our eyes off of us and put our eyes on others. Jesus said in Mark 2 and 17, those who are well have no need for a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We must see ourselves as our brother's keeper. And when the love of Christ is abiding in us, we can't help but see that time is winding down and that every man, woman, boy, or girl who is far from God stands in need of a Savior. We won't turn a blind eye to the fact that there is a real enemy who is all around us. And if our method is precise, we will seek to serve those who are in need. Boy, I'm so glad we have a brotherhood and a WMU and a, a needs committee that seeks to serve whenever needs come to them. I'm so glad we have that. But is that the only way that we can serve? Through this group or that group? I think our lives should be about service. If our method is precise, we will seek to serve those who are in need. We will seek to serve those who are far from God. Then we can trust that the Lord will open up doors of opportunity for us to share. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Those we, if our method is precise and our motivation is pure then I'm sure we're going to reach our vision of being and becoming a fellowship of believers who are winning souls for the kingdom of God
You know what I love about that vision is it's continual. There's not a finishing point. In other words, it's not attainable, but it's something we strive for. That's who we are. And I pray that we're all concerned (laughs) that we're about our father's business this day. Jesus was concerned. He was getting ready to leave these men. And he was concerned that they would go back to their old ways. He was concerned that they would be left and the enemy would destroy them. He had just heard them arguing over who's going to have the greatest position in the kingdom. He knew they weren't ready. So he had to, he had to teach them one last time what it meant to serve him in this world. It means that we serve others. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Oh, oh glory. Mm. Right now, Reedy Branch, I'm speaking to you. Reedy Branch. You who are members of this church, you who are born again and blood washed, right now, as you bow your head, I asked that you would just think about that one that you are so concerned with that you put their name up on this who's your one board. I ask right now that you would just focus on them and that you would seek God and ask God to reveal to you how you can serve them in such a way to where they'll know just how concerned you are for their lost soul. If you're here today and you haven't placed a name on this board, I ask that you would begin to pray right now for the lost, for those who are far from God that are in this building right now. And I ask that you would seek God and ask him to reveal to you how you can serve someone who is here today who's lost who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And for those of you who are here today and you do not have a relationship with God, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that Jesus was so concerned for you that he left the splendor of heaven and he come to this sin-cursed world and he suffered and died on an old rugged cross. He took upon himself your sin so he could place upon you his righteousness. And then on the third day, he rose from the grave, conquering death, hell, and the grave to give you victory. He is concerned he was he is he forever will be concerned for your soul my question right now is are you as concerned for your soul as Jesus is are you concerned with where you're in eternity 
it's going to be. Oh, if you're concerned about your eternity, I'd love to just meet you here at the front and talk to you about a man named Jesus. That if you'll surrender to him, he'll give you a new life. He'll give you an eternity of a life more abundant than what you can imagine. As they begin to sing this song, is there one? Is there one who is willing to say, I'm concerned about my soul and I want my, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior.